0: This podcast is sponsored by Slow Wave. Are you looking for more calm and less
1: stress in your day? The world is chaotic and distractions are everywhere. It's easier for me to be creative when I feel calm. And that's why I'm really into the new modern CBD experience from Slow Wave. This new brand designed a CBD line to help creators feel calm and
0: centered, to be more creative, stay focused, and do their best work. I usually start my day with their Super Halo Day Blend gummies and a cup of coffee, and it really helps me get dialed in so I can get more done. Visit slowwave.com and use the code BETTERYET15
1: to save 15% off your order. just say shit I say what's on my mind
0: Welcome to Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a conversation that started in 2016, and it's a conversation that continues this week with my guest, Pat Graham. It did bring me down, Pat's debut solo record as The Talking Kind is out now, and we're talking all about that. We're talking Sprainard. We're talking big nothing, hell of a program this week. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to all who are subscribing to the show on your podcast, player of choice. I'd like to invite you to visit our website, betteryetpod.com, and check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash at betteryetpod. How we doing today? I'm drinking that Dagger Mountain coffee, daggermountain.com, follow them on Instagram, at Dagger mtn Coffee, my favorite coffee roaster in the U.S. of A. Right here in Valparaiso, Indiana, the home of yet Since October of 2020, I'm drinking the Guji karume a lovely natural coffee from Ethiopia. Pick yourself up a bag at DaggerMountain.com. How we doing, Bubbas? Things are good here. You know I've been listening to the new Replacements box set. Tim, Let It Bleed Edition, holy cow. The record that bore me my name has never sounded this good. It's never sounded good, but it certainly never sounded as good as this new mix from Ed Stasium. It just brought so much more life to these songs. It's been an emotional few days here. I'm not gonna lie. A couple teardrops have been cry listening to these new mixes. If you haven't listened already, you simply must. Even songs like Lay It Down Clown and Dose of Thunder sound incredible. Right now, my favorite is the new mix of Little Mascara. Bob's guitar parts just really, really shine on it. But the thing I'm really stoked to report this week, been a long time coming. But I finally got to meet Evan Bernard in person last weekend. Evan was in Chicago. I spent some time with him and Dave Collis. We jammed a little, ate some bagels. I met his little dog, Raider. Magical time with my friend Evan. We are sponsored by Slow Wave CBD. Slow Wave is a brand new CBD brand that specializes in crafting CBD products for creative people. Helps you feel calm, centered, and inspired. Slow Wave CBD helps me get into the creative zone for the podcast, for my other creative ventures. This is a high-quality product, third-party tested. Edibles are fully vegan, and they taste great, too. Visit shopslowwave.com and use the code BETTERYET15 to save 15% off your order. My guess this week is Pat Graham. Pat's someone I've been following for many years, starting with his band Sprainer. Those Sprainer records were some of my favorite of that era of pop punk. The Post-Latterman, If You Make It, Days, records that I still love and had such a blast revisiting. Of course, Pat went on to start Big Nothing with songwriters Matt Quinn and Liz Parsons. And earlier this month, Pat released his debut solo album under the moniker The Talking Kind. The album is called It Did Bring Me Down, and it is one of my favorites of this year. Tremendous songwriting. You hear some Lemonheads inspiration, some Neil Young. It's all got a great lo fi vibe, and tons of great collaborations with some friends of ours from Philadelphia. It's a really tender record. And it's funny as hell, too. I was really excited to have Pat on for an interview, and I'm excited to share it with you. Thank you so much for listening to Better Yet. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. We'll see you in two weeks. For now, here's me and Pat Graham. (laughs)
1: Of course, you noticed that I wore my discharge t shirt, Yes, dude. That's so funny. I like it. That's a funny that lyric in that re, in that specific song. The way I say it, I was like, I don't know if people aren't going to understand what I'm saying here, but that dude, is, I, you got it. got it. I Plus, got discharge, it. I got it. discharge, discharge ink is like a thing, you know, on a t shirt like Mm -hmm. that's a this a form of ink you can use so i was also like "Mm, this could be a t-shirt nerd thing a double
0: entendre (laughs) for all the t-shirt
1: nerds out there no it's just about the sixers and punk
0: yeah dude hell yeah (laughs) this was a pandemic purchase i'm like yeah i don't see people i don't need to worry about who's around when i wear (laughs) my shirts anymore
1: yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> That's why I've been like I, I have like a millions of dead cops shirt in my uh eBay cart at all times where I'm like, do I do it? Do I do I, yeah. do I wear this now? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so coming to us
0: from Philadelphia, Pat Graham is on the show. Welcome to Better Yet Pat.
1: Hello. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> I was like Tim Crisp. Thank you.
0: Happens friggin' all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, crim. <laughs> How long have you been in Philly? Um, I've lived in Philly proper for like going on four or five years now, but I've lived in I grew up in a suburb like forty minutes outside of Philly and I never really I've always lived within like half an hour of Philly essentially. So Yeah. Um, I, you know, and I, I've been working in the city for like 10 years. So I've been coming to the city every day, even if I'm not living there. So, you know, four or five years officially, but I feel like I have always lived here, you know? Yeah. You're from Westchester, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. I technically grew up in Malvern, which is like it's town next door. But yeah, Westchester was where we all like after high school, we all moved and did a couple punk houses and stuff like that. Are your folks still in that area? Yeah. My dad still lives in Westchester. Um, he lives like in like a 55 plus community, uh, out there. And it's awesome. Every time, <laughs> every time like we live, we, we stayed in Westchester a long time. Cause we were just like, a lot of our friends moved to Philly and we were like, we're in Philly all the time. Anyways, why don't we like do shit here and just try and yeah. be like big fish, small pond kind of thing, which was really fun. But then now going back out there, I'm like, dude, I still love it out here. It's still like, I, I have a really weird love for the suburbs that won't go away. Yeah. So, like, being in his 55 plus community, I'm like, I want to live here now. I
0: just want to play nine holes
1: and fucking hang it's on. Yep. It's on a golf course, and he plays like every day. And there's like a (laughs) restaurant, there's like a wood shop. I think they have a radio station you can like tinker around in. Like, this place is awesome. (laughs) I love that. Do you have siblings? Yeah. I have a brother and a sister. My brother is actually still in Westchester too. He's like in Downingtown, which is next door to the, to Westchester. But he uh, he has a whole family out there, which is nice to visit them. And my sister lives in Delaware, like Southern Delaware, near the beaches, because her husband works for Dogfish Head, which is based in Rehoboth. Uh huh. Um, yeah, yeah. So she lives. She lived in Philly forever. Like she was my OG Philly. Like you know, she would bring me to shows and like kind of show me the city and stuff. And then oh cool. Her, her and her husband, who her husband definitely has plenty of discharge T-shirts it's like that. That's their vibe. And then they all of a sudden were just in lower Delaware and like they just go to the beach every day and kind of live a really chill, fun life. So
0: you like it down in, in Delaware, Delaware? I think it's um, completely overshadowed by the Wayne's World thing. Yeah, I know. Delaware I actually representation.
1: Yeah, I it's kind of a joke amongst my friends, actually, that I really love Delaware. It's like a yeah. weird my mom's side of the family is all from Delaware. So I grew up like kind of visiting there a lot and just kind of being there. It's also only it's literally at 25 minutes from Philly. So, um, yeah, and it's like Wilmington is like a major city. Not, you know, it's not major, but it's a city. It's and a so city like,
0: and things happen there.
1: Yeah, I think it's weirdly underrated. You know, it's like sometimes it feels rated but <laughs> but i think for the most part it's underrated uh but i love it there yeah delaware is awesome like no taxes uh they've actually like a really good scene a lot of like pop punk kids there. like kind of lookout records y kind of kids there, oh, okay because like, they're all it's like a weirdly like i think because it's so suburban down there they're obsessed with pop culture and like i get pete and pete vibes down there for sure oh you know, sure like, yeah yeah wellsville Just, like, like yeah, yeah just uh-huh. and like they just love that kind of stuff like i don't know like action figures and pop punk and stuff <laughs> like so i relate with them for sure
0: so your sister was kind of your cool older uh gateway i guess into pop punk and yeah, stuff totally. like that it sounds like
1: yeah she was definitely the i you know would steal her cds as a kid and like kind of study mm. them and my brother also was like a, he's an oil painter so he was always artistic too he was actually the one i did like, the cover of
0: uh dog hours
1: yeah yeah he did big nothing's uh most recent record he it's funny because like big nothing was one of the first bands where like i've always tried to get him to do our artwork but it's like he he does like classic oil painting so i was yeah. like uh for like sprainard stuff i was like it doesn't exactly make sense even though we ended up just doing the dumbest kind of artwork but I should have had foresight, but yeah, big nothing was where I was like, "Oh, cool, this like music matches this really well." <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> like, I need you to paint this, but uh, yeah, he he kind of was the one I looked up to a lot, and then my sister, like being into punk, I mean, we just were at the right ages growing up where we fought all the time. But then slowly, I was like, "Damn, I think this punk thing is really cool." So yeah. she got me into all that. Took me to my first, uh, first Unitarian Church show in Philly. Oh which wow! Was against me, holy which shit! Was a great first show. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. god! What year? Uh, I just looked this up recently. Actually, it was like two thousand and three or four. Must oh, okay. have been a, It might have been even like two thousand two. I think it was the first time they played the church, and it was with this band nineteen oh five, which I'm just uh, coincidentally wearing their shirt today. But uh, so that's as the eternal cowboy era. Yeah, it was like honestly, so it was like I it's so weird cuz I remember it was before that record came out cuz I have a a a solid memory of like thinking they sold out on Eternal Cowboy. Oh. Like I remember being 12 or whatever and being like this band sucks now. Uh, like Fat Records isn't actually punk. Like as like a fucking twelve year old. So I was like, I did, I did. I was definitely like an early bloomer with with like uh, sellout culture and punk. <laughs> and I just kind of lucked out. My you know my sister and her now husband were just like anarcho punks. So I kind of lucked out on the like early politics side of things, which yeah probably was also a curse. But yeah, right. I was gonna <laughs> yeah. say it lucked out is one way yeah, of putting yeah, yeah. it. <laughs>
0: So uh when did you start playing guitar? I'm guessing um, guitar was your first instrument.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was I was probably I don't know, 11, maybe 11 or 12 and like me and two other friends were like we're going to be Green Day. Green Day was like my first concert and we were like, okay. You know, the three of us were like, let's start Green Day. We're just going to mm-hmm. be as famous as Green Day <laughs> for sure and all picked our instruments. I just was recalling this the other day of like, you know, that weird five minute conversation where we like drew out. I remember we drew out like each other and I was like, well, I want to like hold the guitar and like drew myself with a guitar. Uh I was like, that changed my whole life. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) That set into motion. The fact that I play guitar and my one friend started playing bass and he still plays bass in bands to this day. And then our other friend who was the drummer, he like got into drugs, like, Oh, weed so yeah. he didn't get to <laughs> he was like he just got into weed and was like I don't want to play drums <laughs> I made that sound sadder than it was, it was just, when we were 14 he got weed? into weed yeah. and was just like oh which yeah, is it might
0: as well be might as well be the hard stuff yeah when you're 14 you're I was like you're
1: what <laughs> so what about drums dude this was everything
0: <laughs> so did, did
1: that early band play any shows yeah that band actually that became what was called the Domino Theory, which was a high school band of mine. Um, and it's a we good did we high d-
0: school band name.
1: Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. We got it from. I remember like an eighth grade presentation on World War II, and this uh-huh. kid was this kid was giving a presentation. And said the Domino Theory, which was actually, I think, like hitler's plan to take over the world <laughs> it was basically like and i was like wait why you know looking back i'm like wow what a terrible band name but i
0: think it's actually not to be like well actually but no, i think please, it's please. the
1: communism
0: dominoes Ooh. so yes it yes, goes it, to yeah. vietnam so it nice. makes a little bit more sense you're not aping from hitler
1: you're aping okay, cool, from yeah.
0: uh, america which
1: Enough. Yeah, both showing you both how much I knew back then and now. I was just like, "That's a cool <laughs> phrase that I'm going to take." But uh, yeah, that was our high school band. We ch- we actually did. We were a band all through high school, and we ended up like after when we were like we were touring since we our, our first tour was uh, our bassist dad drove us like down south and back when we were like 15. Wow. So I've been touring for a long time, and that band ended up like like just trying to do as much as we could. Like we were kind of inspired by this band called no harm done, which now, um, Tommy from that band was the drummer and he's now become the drummer of angel dust, which is like this weird, like full circle thing. But his band in high school when he was like 13, they were touring up to Philly and stuff from Florida. So Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we had the high school band and then the high school band ended up like doing more than like we thought could, we could do in high school kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. So was there like a scene in, in Westchester? There was. Westchester's always kind of had a solid, I, like, I trip on that all the time of, like, our high school scene was, like, really robust as far as, like, we had a bunch of skinheads, we had ska kids, we had mod kids, we had, like, there was, like, and they were, like, granted, they were from, like, surrounding suburbs and, like, a lot of Philly involvement, too, but, like, you could go to a show in Westchester and, like, get, like, beat up or or beat up a skinhead, you know, like... right. It was just, a, and to be 15 and experiencing that, I'm like, that was, because cr- I like talking to kids now, they're like, I only got into music and stuff when I went to college. And it's like, wow, that is, we had a really robust thing going on for a college town, you know, mm-hmm. I think, which, which is part of like why we stuck around for so long is we were like, this is still a thing, but yeah, there was a decent scene, a lot of like screamo, a lot of like, um, hardcore and a lot of metal as always, but there was also like a lot of punk stuff. Like, Eric Peterson from Mister Brew was doing a ton of stuff around that time yeah, like sure. in, in Westchester. And before him was, like, Plow United and Creep Records. That was, like, our... Weston, you know. too, right? Yeah, Weston was... Weston was technically Lehigh Valley, but they came down all the time. But that's what I mean. Like, there was just a lot of bands like that. That it was, like, shows happening every weekend kind of thing.
0: Yeah. So that's how cool. did you meet uh, Mark
1: and, and
0: Pat? Pat Dose.
1: Dose. Uh, we... I met them through the, we started, so I was in the Domino Theory and then I, we would play with Dose's band, um, The Uprising pretty often, which was like, they had a lot of good originals, but then they also just played like sick covers of like Misfits. Like even like, like as we were like a little too old, like 17 and playing Misfit songs, which I Uh was like, that's kind (laughs) of awesome. But we, Dose and I hit it off because he was wearing a Dumb and Dumber shirt at, the first show i met him at and that's that was like our mutual favorite movie fuck yeah and then mark was just i met mark because he was wearing a kid dynamite shirt in high school and just kind of stopped him in the hall like you know this
0: band kind of thing was it the uh the like gymnasium shirt no
1: actually wait his was yeah it was the maroon yeah uh, i fucking had that shirt yeah everybody it was like (laughs) there was a period of time where hot topic must have sold it or something because i'm like even I, I got mine like on Inner Punk, just nice, for the course. record. Of course, mailed in. I used to mail in the cash. You would like hide the cash in a piece of paper, yeah, and it would be like sneaky cash. I remember that. What a weird time. <laughs> I mean, awesome, but weird. Uh, but yeah, I met them just through like that stuff, and then we started like a joke hardcore band because we were really into good clean fun. Mm. And so we were like, let's start like a hardcore band. We sung about like video games for the most part and like snacks. Um like the ska version of hardcore I guess and then (laughs) uh that like formed and then they like slowly integrated into the domino theory the high school band and like we all did a tour together where the three of us were in the domino theory and like weren't getting along with the other member on that tour and it was because like we were like trying so hard not to take it seriously like we were like let's just like show up late and like fucking like I don't know play a Five, eight minute set and then like go to the diner as quick like we were just trying to be goofy the whole time and have uh-huh. fun and it just like created all these issues and then on that tour we were like i think we should just start like a fun band <laughs> that yeah we just like our goofy and that's kind of what it always was so
0: that's funny because i have in my notes just sprainard was an incredibly fun band and yeah, not that knowing was that backstory
1: whole... it was it that was... was all that was yeah. our whole thing and that's like i think all the tension in that band always came from like and there was there wasn't a lot of tension in Sprainer but if it ever came up it was cuz it was always because of like being forced to take it more seriously I think always like yeah. created like a cognitive dissonance in my head of like you know when we got a booking agent when we when we like started having like guarantees and weird you know music industry stuff I started being like this sucks like this is not what I thought Like we wanted but at the same time there's like no other place for it to go really which Mm -hmm. isn't isn't really anyone's fault except the music industry so (laughs) that band that band was fun and it was always supposed to be fun so it ended because it wasn't fun (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah
0: you had like neighboring scenes too like not only philly but you had captain were sinking and people in scranton and square of opposition in the lehigh valley just like such a
1: fertile time yeah yeah it's crazy to think about that it was like i I even just seeing some of the flyers for shows and this happens to anybody but like any of the bands that stuck around are huge now and it's just like oh at the time Mm -hmm. we were just like oh it's like one of a 100 shows that we're playing this month and like blah 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 but you were like it's wild that if you just kind of stuck around in this time, you're like, it's like a Testament in and of itself that it's like, man, you guys have been playing forever. And it's like, at the time it felt like we were all just like in that moment, you know, it didn't feel like it was like 10 years from now, this band's going to be huge. Yeah. Right. (laughs) It was just kind of like, Whoa, (laughs) It, it felt really special. And not that it's not special now, but I'm just always surprised at like, wow, this was like a legitimate path to something, you know, and not just like, let's, all hang out all the time
0: (laughs) yeah i just remember getting like sucked into the world of Mm -hmm. all of it because it was like you know these kids were all my age and you listen Mm -hmm. to the snowing record and you hear you know about chris reject and yeah yeah yeah. it's like okay cool like what is what is all of this and i think that's how i came to sprainard was just like buying you know one thing on square of opposition it's like well i'll get some
1: splits Totally. Get some seven inches. Yeah, and that's I mean that's the same for us. I remember like I I have always I've always known Nate Dion from Lehigh Valley who was in Snowing. He was in uh, Dogs on Acid, Yankee Bluff. It's been a million bands. Yeah, yeah, great, great man. But I met we met him in the Domino Theory when we were really young and kind of kept in touch. But then that's like we got so like wrapped up in like who's Chris Reject? We we're like, what uh-huh. is this like this Square of Op thing? And it was like similar to like the DIY Westchester thing, and we were, like, you know, he was obsessed with the same Westchester bands and, like, Weston and all that, and I was, like, what is... It was, like, this weird thing you wanted to, like, dig and find out about, and it was, like, all connected to, like, if you make it in weird ways, too. Oh, yeah, dude. You know, like... Garwacky is, like, the reason this thing exists. So weird. I think about that all the time, especially for how goofy that man is. Yeah. He would would (laughs) deny that to the bitter end, but, like, yeah, like, I bring that up all the time, especially with, like peers now who maybe like I was just I met Josh Robbins like two years ago Oh, or word so. up I love Josh yeah. oh, I love Josh but it was like this weird thing where I was like I can't believe we've never talked yeah because there is such a thing around that time and around if you make it that's like yeah we all got to know each other and like sought each other out and like did this whole thing and now all the current friends I have are because of that website yeah <laughs> so it's like it's weird when there's like missing pieces you know
0: I didn't realize until I was doing research for this interview that you recorded cut and
1: paste with Phil from Ladderman. Yeah, that was. does not get
0: any more on the nose than that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was some <laughs> true nerd shit. That was like, I mean, we we kind of hit a wall and, and I don't know if it was a wall, but there was like, I guess it was like partially from like you start to watch, I don't know. You have a thing when you're young and you're like I don't want to rip off this band too much, but like I want to like blah blah blah. And then you start seeing like other people play shows and they do like the shows do really well. And you're like, but they sound exactly like that band. And you're you're just like, you slowly like, I think we can just sound just like this band (laughs) and it'll be its own thing. So cut and paste really was just an exercise in like, let's just like write a Latterman record. Cause it's also like fun. It feels like you're like, it feels like paying homage to a band and simultaneously, like we were learning our instruments, you know, like, I remember Dose, like, locking himself in a room being like, I'm just going to get better at drums this month. And, like, when you're young, you have time to, like, just be like, that's my whole thing. Mm. And, like, when you're learning your instruments, you're like, whoa, we sound just like Latterman. Like, that's fun to, uh, you know, like, it it doesn't have to just be corny. It's like, wow, this yeah. is, like, physically fun to play in this band that we love, you know, so... That was just us, and like I remember hitting up Phil, being like, "Sorry, we sound just like you," and he's like, "I don't. This is awesome." You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. They're one of those
0: bands that, like, you know, there's that saying about like the Velvet Underground. You know, fifty thousand people started bands when they heard that record. Like Latterman mm-hmm. is one of those punk bands that just like totally set off their own like mini subgenre for, for sure. Ten you. years.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was such it was such a good a new like culmination of all that stuff you know it was like one of the first I feel like kids now especially are like really they don't care if they're cringe and that mm-hmm. was like kind of what was appealing to Latterman about to me back in the day was like they were like doing things that as a songwriter I was like oh that's like corny but it sounds really cool yeah when they, you know it's just I don't know if you really own it it's like amazing And that was just, like, you know, you could hear how much fun they were having just, like, playing Blink-182 riffs really fast. (laughs) Totally. Fun Titled was
0: a big record for me. And, like, listening to that just reminded me so much of just, like, what a shout-along band you were. Like, I felt connected to that urge that, like, you know, was part of my past of just, you know, hearing Damn You a Box and just wanting to fucking like <laughs> sing along and ride my bike and that's what i did yeah. it felt great <laughs> thank you
1: <laughs> yeah it's funny thinking back on like that record especially i mean we just like i fully was writing with the show in mind you know what i yeah. mean like it wasn't it i mean partially it was because like in the when we're like playing together you can't hear the pa but like also it was just like yeah like we pictured the show when we're writing the record you know what i mean like yeah I, I remember a lot of the riffs on that record, even just like writing it in a basement and being like, and then like, this is the part where people will jump. <laughs> and like, hopefully totally. people, you know, like, and just, yeah, we really pictured that. And so it was nice when it like came to fruition of like, okay, yeah, this is like a live kind of performance thing. Yeah. You made that with Mike
0: Bardzik. He yeah. did those everyone everywhere records, which to me are yeah. just like some of the best sounding records ever.
1: Yeah, dude. His studio is f- fucking awesome. I I love that dude. I, I haven't I haven't been there in a minute, but it's just out in the suburbs of Westchester and like it's like on a farm. Like it used to be an airplane hangar, so it's like this empty thing he's converted into this wild studio and you can like sleep there and I think Fun Title was made in his old studio in the um that was like in the town of Westchester, but mm-hmm. still like yeah, he's always been the best and like he comes from that Westchester punk Creep Records he was in the boils for a long time like he comes from that whole scene so we always looked up to him and he straight up like came up to us at a show at like a small coffee shop in Westchester we used to play all the time and was just like I want to record you guys and we were like we know who you are so that Absolutely. was like a really fun special thing for us so I love our relationship with Mike and hopefully he's doing okay I haven't seen him in a minute
0: um, and you put fun titled out on Asian Man Records That had to be a fucking thrill.
1: Yeah, that was wild, too. That was... Yeah, what a crazy time. (laughs) Like, that was just everything culminating. But, yeah, that that also... Asian Man is still... Mike's still, like, a good friend and still one of the labels I look up to the most. Like, even... Especially seeing, like, where music is going now. And, like, he was always able to, like, kind of do his own thing. And now... I feel like the diehard Asian Man record fans are even more special now because, like, he truly... I mean, he does his best to like keep current, but he doesn't really care. <laughs> and he yeah. just like, just like he truly still is just running like a label of bands he really likes. I don't know. It's fun to watch him like keep doing it and like people keep being into it.
0: Yeah. You all were a part of that where it's like, whoa, Asian man's putting out like a Spraynor record and a Joyce Manor record. Like, this is wild. Mike's yeah, dude, still I with mean, it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that was all like part of that if you make it thing too. Like, I remember like, Bomb and Jeff and like being a part of Asia Man. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. if that's where Jeff's going, like that's the label that makes the most sense, you know? And it just kinda got everyone excited. I think like there were some other if you make it ties to Asian Man, but it was all like that kind of time, and it made sense kind of what I was saying before. Like Sprainer was just trying to stay fun and stay DIY and stay like I was like, how do we play basements? but there's 200 people there, you know, uh-huh. it, like, yeah, that was all part of that scene. Asian man was the label that seemed to be like, yeah, I'm just going to put out your records, put them in record stores. And, but you can still just do your thing, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So you did break up for a bit there and kind of alluded to it. Just becoming difficult to maintain the, the attitude as you got more professional with it.
1: Yeah, it's bizarre. I experience this all I experience this outside of bands all the time too, but like I'm just really I'm pretty bad at like success for whatever reason. <laughs> like yeah. pretty I react pretty negatively to like uh people looking at me. <laughs> 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 it's a weird, you know, like or like I sh- that's not the right way to say it, but like I kind of spend a lot of time being like, okay, I want this to like work and I want people to it's like a weird juxtaposition of like I want people to pay attention and then once they do, I start freaking out. I'm like, what? You yeah. no, it's like it's like a weird I'm sure people can relate, but something I'm still always figuring out. But that was kind of what happened. Like Dose was always down. And I now I can really be like he was correct in this, but he was always down to like have it be his career. And like that was like, you know, the goal was to like be a a, a full time band. Mm-hmm. And the closer we would get to that, I was always like started freaking out and just being like, you know, I want to finish school or I want to like, I always like, I'm a grass is greener guy. So I was always like, Oh, I got to bail on this and do this. Cause it's not fun or whatever. But I just didn't, I could never, I never had my head on straight with that. And that's like both, both times we've taken breaks. That's kind of what happens is we start like doing really well. And then I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> but you're also touring a lot. Like I looked back
0: yeah. and like the lead up to that breakup was like three months of touring.
1: Yeah, that was crazy. That was a weird... We were like, let's see if this breaks us up, and it just kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was that was a crazy... But we also, like, you know, we kind of did that with everything. Like, we recorded Fun Titled. We recorded Cut and Paste in two days. We recorded Fun Titled in, like, three or four days. And we were like, let's tour all the time. Like, that was just kind of our attitude of, like, do it as hard as you can. Yeah. You know? I don't know where... We got that or why we became obsessed with it but <laughs> that's like do it till you burn out was kind of the vibe you know yeah that was just like a sad breakup
0: though just like from <laughs> all of those songs were just like about your friends and then the announcement was just like we're not friends
1: right now oh uh, it was so funny though uh the announcement <laughs> No, I mean, dude, I yeah, I can't sugarcoat that. It was a very dark time in all of our lives. But uh we I remember the truth of that situation was like Dose and I were just like really not getting along. And we're the kind of people that when Dose and I are, are, are close and tight knit, we're like really tight knit and we can like spend all of our time together. And then there's just this weird if we hit like a weird patch, we like I think we do this with other shit in our life, too. But like we just kind of like check out we're like well then i'm not even going to talk to you at all like mm-hmm. we're very black we can be we can be very black and white which we've worked on in me- for years but that was a time when i remember i was like let's figure out the post and like dose just like went on the facebook it was like <laughs> i'm posting this i was like oh my god you know like it's so crazy but i also do like we always have there's always like a weird tinge of humor in it to us too like i think we probably did have the combo too of like I just think that like the power and the influence that people give bands and stuff is also like really funny to me. Mm -hmm. Of like, because you can just go on there and be like, "We're done, bye," and it's like so funny that people are like, "Ah!"
0: (laughs) (laughs) "What is this?" (laughs) It's like it is. It's like a part of. It's like uh, this thing that I connected to, it's like, now it's not pure anymore. Like, do I even really like my friends? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Which
1: I also, you know, obviously I relate to. I've had that feeling so many times with bands or like artists where I'm like, wait, that like reshaped my thing, my thinking. But like, it also is just like purely funny when it's like the reality is that we're like three stupid dudes. Yeah. Like who are just fighting or whatever, you know, it's like. I don't, it's, it's a strange thing. But yeah, that was sad for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let me, let me like just like
0: lean into this power of the band thing because this has been in my head for like <laughs> 10 years. Is can I borrow a feeling about Sprainer, the first no, song people, on X
1: and Square? It's funny. People have asked me that. No, I, I wish it was. I wish it was, <laughs> I wish we were meta enough. Actually, there are songs. Um, We were all straight edge at the time. And, and the last song on Funtitled is a, no, a gun on Fun Titled is about uh, yeah. the drummer breaking edge. So like we had some meta moments, but um can I borrow a feeling is about an ex of mine, unfortunately. Just a regular old <laughs> love song ex thing. But it can certainly be. I'm I mean, that was written coming out or I guess it was right before we broke up. Yeah. So that could definitely I'm sure that was in my head, you know. Like yeah, I it's sure. not like I wrote that with some one thing in mind, but I'm sure the feelings were conjur- being conjured like from other shit, you know.
0: I also wrote a song called Can I Borrow a Feeling I nice. needed to tell
1: you that. So. Hell yeah. <laughs> I tried. I think I succeeded. I tried to make or no, Mabel maybe. I tried to do a Simpsons reference on every release. Oh, nice. I have I to go I'm
0: back and dig cuz I think that was the only one that I caught.
1: There's a few. Um
0: You did do some solo stuff in between? sprainard i went back i listened to that adult braces demo i love that shit
1: thank you yeah that was like a weird that like you know i've always i remember that specifically i started doing that just to tour like i was like i i think Spraynard broke up and i was like but i miss touring mm-hmm. like we never i never wanted to stop touring so it was just like a weird thing where i was like i think i could write an ep and just like i think I, we i went out to chicago me and my now wife um like drove to chicago and like Ohio and stuff and just did like a week or two just on tour. And then I was like, I don't like playing alone and just (laughs) kind of stopped it. (laughs) But it was fun. It was fun to write some, like I wrote most of the songs on that EP in like a day or two. So that was a fun exercise.
0: You write a lot.
1: You seem to have a pretty prolific output. You're one of them. I, I don't, I feel like I don't write enough, but I think I end up my thing. I write really fast once I start like, I don't do a lot of editing so I like I I know a lot of people who like sit on songs for years and like have riffs and stuff but I mostly will like if I set aside time I'm it kind of goes along with the like not being too serious thing like I'll just write something and be like that's fine and mm-hmm. just kind of put it out I like to try and be like as immediate as I can and just be like that's what it is and try and not like sit on it because Every time I've sat on something, it comes out and people have the same reaction of like, cool. cool Yeah. I'm like, okay. If it's all the same, then (laughs) might as well stick with my gut, you know? So
0: was it easy to like mend fences with getting Sprainer back together?
1: It was. It was like definitely complicated. Like we didn't, Dose and I didn't speak for about a year or maybe a little less, but then Mike Park reached out and was like, do this he wanted us to do like a compilation record of all of our like splits and B sides and stuff. And then was like, you should record a new song for it. So that kind of made us get back together. And like, we were all down. I think the timing was just right of like, he suggested that and dose and I were both like, okay, we could like, we could see ourselves doing that. And then we just really, well, we always loved like writing songs together. That was like our, even in high school, like we didn't, we were all straight edge in high school. So we like, didn't do anything except get together and play. So it just kind of we love doing that. So we were like, oh, let's just write an entire record. That like became a thing really fast. Yeah. Dude, and Mabel
0: like, you know, I had all this nostalgia for cut and paste and fun titled.
1: Totally forgot what a ripper Mabel was thank you yeah that's kind of like i mean not that it's all like in the past now but at the time i definitely was like damn that was like a lot of people's reaction of like oh yeah and you have a new record and i was like this one's really good (laughs) like (laughs) like dose and i still joke about like when we listen to fun titled we're like what the fuck is this record like it's i'm proud of it in that it like people reacted to it and responded to it but like songwriting wise i'm like this is insane this is an insane right like as we've like grown as songwriters, there's like no second verse on that record yeah it's just like first verse chorus <laughs> bridge i'm like what the it's just so weird but so mabel was our attempt at like really trying to make a cohesive record with like yeah i'm just i'm really proud of that record i go back yeah. to that one and i'm like this is like a solid ass attempt you know Dude, that song bench that's so oh, yeah thanks. it's so good <laughs> that's a wild song that was truly just born of like i think uh F- floral green by title fight had like just come oh, out yeah and just that the like bass tone of that record i was like i just want to make this like yeah. a, a spacey song that has this kind of tone
0: i think yeah, the head song, in the ceiling fan is like the yeah, yeah. the most influential song of, like, that decade. Yes, which
1: is weird, because that was, like, kind of a stinker for me. <laughs> I, was like, what is I was like, what is this song? I Although, yeah, definitely, like- it definitely comes out. I mean, you know, yeah, that's some, like, weird... I'm sure there's some pseudo, like, deep-seated jealousy shit in there where I'm like, this song's fine, but it's really, like, incredible, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, I totally
0: fucking forgot that that record came out on Jade Tree.
1: Yeah, that was a huge fucking deal for us that was like you know i was stoked to do something on asian man but i definitely was honestly kind of new to asian man as it as that all that started coming together like i had like some the alkaline tree of records and classic shit but like jade tree was like our the three of our like label like growing yeah. up especially at being in delaware and like being sort of local like we loved paint it black we loved kid dynamite and like all the like promise ring later on cabin jazz like that was just, like, our label. So we were, like, it was funny. I remember, like, they asked us to have a meeting or whatever. We met up at a coffee shop in Philly. And it was just so funny where, like, on the drive there, we just had the combo of, like, we know we're saying yes. So, like, how do we, like, what do we do? Do we, like, play this cool or, like, we're not good at, like, business. So we were just, like, are we going to ask for, like, money? What's happening? We were, like, we're just going to say yes. So it was just, like, even even if we we kind of knew, like, at that time, I remember we were like, I don't know if we're gonna keep being a band, even, but like we have to put this out, like yeah. just have to have a release on J Tree. So, and then we kind of just kept being a band, so it worked out. But and also
0: managed to come out, unlike some uh, others. Yeah, that and
1: then yeah, I mean, I forget. I honestly try and forget that that was the outcome of that because yeah. it was so. That was weird. That was and that that's the thing too. It like we got tied up with like Dogs on Acid were already our buddies and like. I think that record is one of the best records like Philly's ever put out. And so like Super watching that, yeah, Oh, it's incredible. So like watching that and then Spirit was our, our good friends too. And watching them, they were like set to have a Jade Tree release and it all just kind of fell apart and it got really weird and ugly. So it was definitely a bummer to watch. But like Tim and I, I, I haven't talked to Darren in a long time, but Tim Owen from J Tree and I are still like tight and talk. So I think it was just like a weird mismanagement Situation and like, I think they did the right thing, but it just was a bummer to watch it all go down for sure. Yeah, and I, we, yeah, we, we made out like bandits. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, <cool. laughs> like, thank
0: you, bye. Yeah, how did um, uh, how big nothing start? Matt's from
1: Westchester, too, right? Matt's from like uh, no, Bucks County, I think it is like not Doylestown, but near Doylestown, Southampton, uh-huh. PA, but like the suburbs. He used to book the Domino Theory. When we were both in high school, he would book us like in the Bucks County area. And so we've known each other through the years. He makes the joke. I did one time straight up forget him. Like I like like introduce myself to him at like a show when we were like 19. And uh-huh. he was like, dude, I used to book your <laughs> band like all the time. And I was like, Oh, so he still makes the joke, but we're actually, we like before big, nothing had started. We just became really close, like for like a year or two. And then, um, he, uh, friend of liz parsons who was in big nothing who's an old friend of both of ours we like talked about starting a new project for a while sprainard was like we didn't break up but we were just kind of like we're gonna chill for a while i finished school and like we just kind of were like doing J- dose was like flirting with the joyce manor guys at the time and like we were just all like what's this gonna become and blah 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 but so we were all kind of chilling and liz was like i desperately need to start a band she had just moved to philly and I met Chris at a party like the day before she talked to me. So, yeah. Chris, Liz, and I jammed. And then Matt, who was my good friend, was just like, I want to be in that band. And just kind of was like, fuck that. I'm in that band now. <laughs> so, uh, and he was already friends with all of us. So, that just kind of organically started because we were all living in Philly and like ready to do something.
0: Cincinnati is one of my,
1: one of my favorite
0: songs that you've written. The first
1: song of yeah, the first thank EP. You yeah honestly thank you honestly same i like really i revisit that song every couple years and i'm like this is a cool song like we stopped playing it because it just like didn't really fit where we were going but every once in a while people would like ask for it at a show and i was like this is a fun song it's like that song to me reminds me of like where mabel would have gone you know Mm -hmm. of like if Sprainerd it's like definitely got a Sprainerd thing but it has some like cowboy chords in there i'm like I think yeah that's some storytelling
0: on there too it's like uh, lemonhead z in that way
1: yeah 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 it's about our good friend anthony who passed away on a like while we were on a sprainer tour and we got to like we were on tour with paul barabo and we got to like go to the f- it like worked out that like the routing we like went to anthony's funeral in the middle of this tour mm. which is like so bizarre so yeah it was a nice little special thingy um i
0: love chris the record you made with Evan Bernard, 2019.
1: Hey, Thank you.
0: I was hanging out with Evan this past weekend. He was in Chicago. Hell yeah. Lovely time. He said that he tried to make that record sound like the cabin that you all recorded it in.
1: <laughs> yeah. he. I mean, he and I still, I see Evan all the time and we still joke like he, I actually don't think it as much as him, but he's like, that record sounds crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, I think it sounds cool. like. It doesn't sound, he was really, yeah, he was trying, especially in the drums. He was like really trying to capture. We were in just like this cool cabin in the Catskills. And I, you know, he made some choices he wouldn't have normally made or whatever, but I'm like, it sounds awesome. I think it's like, sounds cool. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. It, but it, yeah, it, I guess it sounds a little weird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that song, Real Name. Like, I'm a sucker for a walk down.
1: Yeah, dude. Yeah. Thank you. That, I mean, I just <laughs> full on. There's no mystery in me ripping off Sparky's Dream for that song. Like, oh yeah. 100%. I just like, and that was another, again, going back to the rip off thing. I was like, what if I just completely rip this off and we'll see if it works? And that was like one of our most popular songs. I was like, this is amazing. Ripping off stuff is awesome. And it's like, feels great to play. Yeah, I, I like, yeah. It feels every time you're playing, it feels like you're playing your favorite song of teenage fan clubs, you know, which is a fun thing.
0: Yeah. Oh man, that's so fucking funny.
1: Mm-hmm. I like dog that's...
0: hours a lot too, but there's a noticeable absence <laughs> of pat tracks.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was my plan the whole time. Actually, <laughs> in a weird, in a weird way, my the right my writing is like all over that record. I wrote a few of those songs, and like Matt and Liz both had like. Matt especially would like come to me and be like, okay, I don't have a chorus or whatever, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's that, that was very much like a group effort record. But for some reason, like I liked Chris and I think it's a good record, but I honestly don't love like a three songwriter band. That was never really our intention with big nothing, but it was more just like kind of happened because all three of us like had songs and have egos and we're just kind of like, well, I want this to be on there, blah, blah, blah. And, With Chris or with Dog Hours, I was like, Matt to me, we want it. I was like, if we want to be closer to the like Replacements Americana vibe, like Matt to me has more of a I can't shake my pop punk voice. So Matt, I just can't shake it like it'll come out punky no matter what. So Matt to me has more of like a singer songwriter vibe and like Liz's songs are like a great departure from his like, you know, same three chords kind of vibe. So I just was like really intentional on like let's make this like more of a cohesive thing. Like I think Dog Hours is a better record than Chris, like as far as like a full play record. But yeah. I understand most people were like, Where'd you go? And I was like, <laughs> that's it was part of partly too. I just wanted to be like removed a little bit and be like I I'm usually taking center stage in my project. So I was like, let me just try and like step back and be in a band that's not like my thing or whatever. But
0: it is a very good record. I will say Thanks. that. I hope that Thanks. that was not uh No, no, clear.
1: no. No, I just <laughs> think about it all the time in my own little head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it did bring me down the debut album from The Talking Kind. Um, that was released on September 8th, earlier this month. So when That's did true. you
1: start working on that? Um, I probably like a year ago maybe when did big nothing kind of chill like it's probably been about a year and a half of writing stuff and like getting stuff down but that was kind of mixed in with the recording of dog hours and like the 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 writing of it of like i kind of knew like i was like let me take a step back from like singing and like being fully involved in big nothing so that i can focus on my own thing like Mm -hmm. Like I knew I wanted to play and that was a big nothing. Just we all have like full time jobs and stuff. Well, besides me, really. But that it was like partly like we couldn't tour that much. Like Matt owns a business that Liz is the the manager of. So like it was just didn't make sense. So I was also like, oh, I want to tour more. Like, let me try and focus on my new thing of my own. So like the songs have been bubbling forever, but. I feel like it was like big nothing. I had like a talk with them where I was like, I'm really going to try and make my own record. Yeah. Let's take a break from shows kind of thing. And that was probably like a year ago that I like sat them down and was like, let's try. I'm trying my own thing.
0: You did some of the songs with past and future guests Matt Schimel-Fanig at The Bunk. Mm -hmm. And then you did some with Evan at Jamtown. Yeah. Engineered stuff on your own. I like this. We're in different places uh, recording this stuff.
1: Yeah, this was like I wanted this to be like the stuff I did with Evan. We did two songs and like they were very much like on a Monday. I would text Evan or I, I we worked together. So I would like see him at work and just be like, is your studio open tonight? Like I have a riff or whatever. So mm-hmm. that was kind of where I came with this record. And then the stuff with Matt was like I booked time with really only having, like, I think I had, like, two songs done. But I booked, like, four days with him. And uh, our buddy Keon Sorori came up of Gashapon or Loose Tooth fame. Um, Keon came up just to, like, kind of be there and jam when it was time. And I was literally just, like, holding my phone up to my ear in between takes and being like, oh, that's a riff I made up four years ago or whatever. I'm like, let's see if that can be a song. Yeah. And... That's, like, you know, when you watch, like, old rock docs, I always, like, reference the, like, uh, Making of Rumors. There's, like, a good VH1 doc on the Making oh, of yeah, Fleetwood yeah, yeah. Rumors. And they're just in the studio for, like, a year, just, like, being, like, we made a good song today. I'm, like, man, I want to make a record like that where you just have riffs or whatever, and you're, like, uh, this seems, let's jam on this. And that's, like, a few of the songs on the record were literally us, like, playing them. Like, maybe the second time we were just, like, Okay, play two choruses and then stop. Yeah. And then like we just kept what that was. So it was a really fun way to make a record and that's kind of what I was missing too. Like if I'm gonna do it on my own, I like to have the freedom of like let's just like fuck around because I'm not upsetting anyone, you know, it's like mm-hmm. this is just my thing. So it was nice.
0: Yeah, I picked up on that looseness mm-hmm. of everything. It's like nothing seems too fussed over. Even the levels of things seem to just totally. be like, Yeah, that's
1: that's in the right zone. Totally. I mean, I mixed it and I, I do not know how to mix, like straight up. <laughs> I had sent it, I sent it to Chris Baglevo, uh, who's in a million bands with Evan. I'm sure you've met him at some point, Mr. Doc Bag. But he, I sent it to him because he's so good. He mixed uh, Dog Hours and Chris and he's so good. And I was like, listen, I was like, I'm sending this to you, but hesitantly, like, I don't want it to sound good. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want it to sound like I went to a studio, like, I want it to sound like I made this record, you know? And he, of course, from the jump was like, you should just mix it. And I was like, no, let me just... Before I, like, fuck this whole thing up, please try and mix it. <laughs> and he mixed, like, a song or two, and I was like, oh, it sounds crazy. I was like, this is not what I wanted. Yeah, so yeah. I just ended up mixing it, like, uh, locked myself in my dad's aforementioned 55-plus community <laughs> while he was at the beach. And I just... <laughs> Like, mixed it on my computer. I, like, literally took my desktop, like, to his house. Looked insane. But, uh, yeah, just mixed it, like, in his house and in, like, a day or two. So it definitely sounds crazy, but I definitely like it. Yeah. You know, like, I I just was, like, listening to a lot of, like, Neutral Milk Hotel and a lot of old records that I love. And I was like, these don't sound good. You know, like, I was such a fan of, like, Defiance, Ohio and, like, mm. all mm-hmm. these, like, punk, all these old, like, folk punk bands and like old '80s punk bands, I'm like, dude, these sound. This sounds bad. Like, and it's great. That's part of the energy, you know. Like, I've been really locked in, like, you know, studio brain for so long of like compression here, EQ this, blah blah blah. I'm like, let me just make it sound weird. Yeah, I love. It's the... more fun to listen to for me, like in that way too.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. I can. Yeah. I, I guess there is that tangible quality of like something that's made by someone for themselves. Mhm. It's on here. I love that first track, Trouble. You got Sam from Radiator Hospital, Mikey from the Goodbye Party. Oh, yeah. Or you could say Sam and Mikey from the Afterglows.
1: That's, you know, the original <laughs> the original plan was like I just want the Afterglows on my track, yeah, singing like Motown style. Uh, But then, like, when it came to, like, doing Spotify stuff, we were, like, me and Mikey were both, like, Sam, like, you know, like, we would get a lot of listens if Radio (laughs) Hospital's name's on this. So it was, like, you know, Sam being the saint that he is was, like, I don't care what we do, so as the afterglows I was like this will be good for the afterglows career I swear but that was definitely some backdoor like scum shit that I was ashamed of of like I know we're good friends but like just if we're gonna be real about this but yeah no I'm stoked on that song was one of the ones that like Keon and Matt and I just jammed out like on the spot I think we played it twice or something and then I wrote lyrics and like the vocal melody over it afterwards so I'm stoked on how that came out and glad they could, like, I just sent it to Sam and Mikey and was like, do whatever you want to this song, you know, and they yeah. sent it back to me like that, so I was stoked.
0: Man, it's fucking, I love it. just that first line is some relatable shit, I just say shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have to mostly credit my wife for that, um, she, like, you know, I as this project was blooming, I was like, I, we just, like, she's plays uh as ivy Two is her music project she's a musician as well but yeah she's it's so good check it out um but she was like i we just talk about this shit all the time i'm just like what should the lyrics for this like da 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 and i was like i don't know this new project how personal i should be or blah 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 and she was like just like communicate like talk in it you know like make your lyrics the way you talk like and that's something i get caught in all the time of like people are like last week you said that you didn't like growing pains, and now you do. And I'm like, yeah, I just say shit. I don't know, you know, like I just having a different opinion every week, and that's just kind of how, how I roll. I'm just trying to hang out.
0: <laughs> One detail that I just love about that track is that it's Sam who says, "I'm just the talking kind."
1: Yeah, that was he texted me and was like, "Yo, you sure you want me to take the like titular line?" I was like, "Yeah, that's cool to me. That's the cool." There's like. I'm not going to remember, but that's just like an old trick I remember of like bands like like people singing kind of like incorrect things and getting your brain like in a cognitive dissonance zone is fun to me where I'm like, you know, because we get we get it's weird. It's weird that like listeners get attached to like the person singing it where it's like this is just a song, you know, like Mm -hmm. anybody can say anything. I just say shit. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I like that shit where it's like you're kind of like, wait, what is this? Billy Joe does it in um, Basket Case, where he like flips the role, the roles of the prostitute and the psychiatrist. Yeah, which you know, arguably he's not flipping any roles. But whatever, I'm I'm going off. <laughs> <Never> <laughs> you mind. just
0: said shit.
1: I'm just saying shit, and Sam saying that part. It was awesome.
0: One thing that I, I've been really taken with is just the way your sense of humor comes through on the record. It's really obvious, like, looking at Sprainerd's song titles that you guys like to be silly, but I hear a song like Never Bored, and there's just so much humor in the perspective of Mm -hmm. the person who's singing that song. Yeah. I just love his, like, fucking attitude towards basically, like, sending himself into a ditch.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Character, huh? Yeah. (laughs) right <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean that and thank you for saying that's really nice of you to call out because that's like definitely the main thing i was like going into was like the humor of it all like just like my my brother like years ago turned me on to an artist named dan burn who mm. is like a, a, a not he's like a very i thought he would be bigger as we got older but he's like now a pretty unknown folk artist like modern folk artist but he's like he he's just so funny. Like his songs are like, they, yeah. they really hit you at certain times, but then he's mostly just like so funny. And I was like, man, I grew up singing those songs and like, they meant so much to me, even though they were so silly. And like, he ended up writing the soundtrack to walk hard. Like that's his vibe. Oh word. It's like, like truly like silly, but then he had a lot of like touching moments where you're like getting hit by. And I just like this pro this whole project was like being as truthful to myself as I could. And like most of my, 90% of the shit I talk about is, like, to be funny. So it's, like, mm-hmm. very rarely am I... I guess sincerity is always there, but, like, I'm always trying to get a laugh. So I was like, well, I might as well try and do that in the songs, you know?
0: Yeah. That song has such a great groove, really. I
1: love. Yeah, I love that bass line. That's one I've had for, like, a, a year or so, being like, oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Dude, the guitar solo on that song, too, like... Do you get that minor chord in the bridge? And then that guitar solo is like, it's just got such a cool tone.
1: Thank you. Th- thank you. Yeah, that I sent that to a friend, um, Harris from Sundials. Oh, hell yeah. I'll often. Yeah, I'll bounce shit off of him, especially now, like now that I've caught up with his like Lemonheads worship, mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll send shit to him all the time. And he was like, oh, that Dire Straits solo. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I guess it is kind of Dire Straits or so. I was like, not my brain, but. Also, a fun fact, the bass line in that bridge is just the crowd by Operation Ivy. If you slow it down. Oh, it's for very, real. Very intentional, but it yeah, just it's just that same riff really slow. <laughs> <laughs> um the closing track on the
0: record, World Peace, a lovely little song about Greg Mendes. Yeah. I just love that shit, man. It thank you. Especially He's with my... that record coming out this year. Dude, too. Well,
1: I wanna clear I wanna clear the air publicly that I wrote that shit before he was famous. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like, you know, every time he releases a record, I'm like, oh, the world's gonna hear this thing. And like this was like I've I've really got he he Greg and I started working together a lot recently, so I've really gotten to know him a little more. And he's just like obviously everyone that we work with is like that is the sweetest man, like most pure, mm-hmm. sincere man I've ever met and then for him to write this most recent record like my wife and i were listening to uh the live album in the car yeah. one day like and i remember being like oh cool a new greg thing and just like we both were like floored like almost dude, had a pull the over, live like, the live album is something it's crazy else. and there was like listening to that it was like really a moment of like i wrote that song shortly after i had heard that because i it, there was just a moment of like this is like this dude could change the world you know there's like a weird little spark in that live album that I was like, oh, this is, he's moved from, he's moved beyond the, like, oh, my buddy writes these cool songs. I'm going to go watch him in West Philly. It, like, moved into, like, oh, this dude is, like, a prolific, like, prophet that could save the world. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that song, I, that was, like, amidst, I wrote a lot of the lyrics in, like, one, I rented an Airbnb and got really drunk alone and wrote a lot of the lyrics for this record, like, you know immediately yeah all at one time i should say and that was one of them and i remember like texting him after i had like i recorded it and then like bounced it right away and like sent it to him and was like before i start mixing this like can you let me know if you're uncomfortable with this song and he (laughs) luckily was like this is so cool i was like okay thank god he was like i'm obviously incredibly embarrassed but it's a cool song so i'm down i was like okay thank god yeah but it was really how I felt in the moment. It's, like, barely a joke. I was like, this is just... I love this man.
0: And who <laughs> says you're not serious sometimes? That's Yeah, but it's funny. <laughs> you see? That song's also funny. <laughs> That's the whole thing. <laughs> New Records out
1: on Lauren Records. The freaking hero, Aaron Kovacs. Yeah, I love Aaron. I've known him so long now. I was tripping on that recently that we met, like... I feel like Summer Vacation was still... Summer vacation was first, right? Do you yeah. remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they I think we played together in um outside of LA like early on, Sprainer years. So yeah, he's the best. And like I wasn't I hit him up to put out the tape because I was gonna put out the record on, alone. I was just gonna do it all myself. And I hit him up and he was like, Let me just call you and we had like a conversation where he's like, you know, I'm down he was like, I'm down to do the whole thing and I was like, oh, I just kinda want to tape and he's like you he was like i've been through this before and as a label i have to sell all your records so that i can keep running a label he was like you're gonna like get bored and not want to mail them out anymore after like 100 copies i was like (laughs) that i was like that is the truest thing i've ever heard because like i always hit a wall where i'm like i don't want to do this anymore like yeah you know so he was like i'm motivated to sell your record every day whereas like you Will get bored and want to do an, a new record, and I was like, "Wow, that is very true." So, dude, that's, he convinced f- me to do <laughs> that's it so it. funny. Yeah, but he's the sweetest, and like, he's so easy. And like, the record, the vinyl's like been delayed, and he even went out of his way to like get like a different color that was easier to get in time, kind of thing. Like, he's just been—he's hmm. the best. As someone
0: who's been following your stuff for a really, really long time, this like this is the kind of record that you just like hope for when you're like attached to uh someone's writing so i'm really happy that you made
1: it that means the world for real i'm definitely in the stage now of like it's out in the world and i'm like oh cool everybody hates it that's fine i'll move (laughs) on to that you know like so it means a lot that you would say that just like you know truth doesn't exist to me right now only only if people tell me right to my face (laughs) otherwise it's like okay you guys think i'm an idiot cool so thank you very much that means a lot
0: thanks for coming on the show
1: hell yeah i love this podcast i love the people you get because it's always like oh my friend is on this awesome podcast again (laughs) i love it you pick the right people (laughs) hell yeah dude thank you